Well, hello, thank you for joining with us in our third message in this series called Ahead. And if you've been tuning in for the past two weeks during this series, then you know that we've been looking at this season and kind of comparing it to the rapids you would face if you're going on a whitewater rafting trip. And so if you look at this season ahead for us in our community with schools starting up this past or coming week, and we're all directly or indirectly affected by that for our community. And then with the change in the season of the rhythms that are set before us, there's just a lot going on. And I also probably don't need to tell you that we're amidst one of the most polarizing times in our country as we approach this election. And all of this is happening during COVID-19, when just our lives have been upended and uprooted in certain ways, we have new rhythms and schedules that we've had to adapt to. And so it's not hard to see the rapids in the river. And so that is our life right now. And the rapids are coming, even more are coming ahead. And so that's what this series kind of revolves around is. And so Thad mentioned um, last week in the past two weeks, he's been going through this personal story he has of going to the Clackamas River and white rotter rafting with a group of students that he was the youth pastor for. And so um, I intend to um, build upon that, yet I do not have any personal stories of white water rafting. In fact, I'm more about um, smooth water floating. That's kind of my style, that's my rhythm. I mean, who doesn't love the calm and pristine waters? of the Lazy River at Silverwood in Idaho. And yes, I grew up in Spokane. I did float the river, the Spokane River, because I lived in the valley. And so uh, we would go, but we'd often hear reports of people drowning. And so having an overcautious mother, she wouldn't let me go on um, tubing trips or floating trips with friends until about August, once the river was about six inches deep in certain places. And so I remember, you know, parking the car in one end, parking another car at the other, and then having to float. And for huge segments, 100 yards here and there, I'd have to grab my tube and walk along the river because I ran aground in the tube. And so there's that. But I also remember times when I was a kid having family in Missoula, Montana. Every summer we would go visit sometimes and we would float the Blackfoot River um, in Montana. And again, not treacherous, no rapids. Um, and it just made me laugh because when dad talked in the uh, previous weeks, when the guide would yell, lean in, lean in, um, I totally understand that. My aunt and uncle would yell, lean in, lean in. But we were leaning in, not for our safety, but to maybe grab a pack of Oreos or to grab a sandwich. And we'd grab our food and sit on the raft and enjoy the Montana beauty um, on the Blackfoot River. And so just one of the more funny memories I have. But so maybe I don't have the wonderful personal memories of whitewater rapids, but whether you're whitewater rafting or smooth, smooth water floating, you're still going to need equipment for the journey. You're still going to need to be equipped. And so in the same way, in this tumultuous season that we're in right now as a community, as a country, and even our entire world, we too need to be equipped for the path set before us. And so it's kind of like this. I have my life jacket, I have my helmet. It's not a rafting helmet, it's just a bike helmet. And I also have my paddle right here. But our big idea today is that we're equipped for the rapids ahead. And so maybe you've heard the expression, you're up a creek without a paddle. And so this brings up a very controversial topic in my family. Is it crick 
or is it Creek? Is it pronounced Crick or Creek? I, I, I don't know how you do it. I'm team Crick, but you might be team Creek. It's just easier to say for me. And so whatever you call it, it's just an important expression and it kind of explains how we sometimes feel that we're up a Crick without a paddle. And so this feeling that we get sometimes in our lives is this feeling of overwhelm. And so imagine you're on a river raft, you're going down the stream, you only have one thing, your raft, but you don't have a life jacket to protect you, you don't have a helmet to protect you from hitting the rocks, you don't have a paddle to even steer or direct you or to row forward. And so maybe you felt that in the past few months with the stay at home order for COVID-19, when it first came down, you might've been worried about your job, your health, your schooling for your kids, and you just said, man, I'm up a crick. Maybe you felt that in the last week as we've approached the new school year that you've said to yourself, man, we're up a crick on this one. And then as someone personally who's having their first back to, back to school season with kids, let me just say, I finally get it. Uh, sorry for any grief I may have given any parent um, for having to deal with all the stresses of going back to school and then now especially in this COVID-19 season. So maybe you feel it as a country, as we head towards the election, as we continue in our COVID-19 response, it's easy to feel like we're in the current, but we also have the equipment, or we don't have the equipment to help us through. Um, but I just wanna say it's easy to feel that way. It's easy to feel like we're overwhelmed. It's easy to feel like we might be struggling, but God has equipped us for the journey. We're equipped for the rapids ahead. And as a follower of Jesus, you're equipped for this season that we're in. You might feel in inadequate or unprepared, but let me just kind of get rid of these distractions that I'm wearing and let you know that a life of confusion, anger, and overwhelm, that in this season, you're not up a crick without a paddle. But in reality, you are in a battle fully equipped by the power of God to move forward with confidence in the season that we're currently in. And so let's jump into the passage for today. It's also the same passage that Thad read last week, but it's Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. And it says this, and just listen slowly and closely as we <clears throat> go through this together. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, de the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so this is everything that that hit on last week. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. And so you might feel that there is a flesh and blood enemy that you're coming against and that you're facing in this season. But last week we unpacked that our enemy is never really the people. It's never God's image bearers, but rather the evil that is unseen in this dark world and the evil spirits that are at work in this time. So half the battle is seeing who we're actually fighting against and who is causing these trials, these rapids that we're facing in our lives. And so I encourage you to watch or listen on the Open Life Church app or on Facebook, go find the archives and just watch that last week because we really unpack who we're actually fighting and what this battle is all about. But today we move on and just look at how we're equipped. And so this is how Paul continues here. He says in verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, of, of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So our first and only uh, thought that we're going to unpack today is that we need to dress for battle. We do. We do need to dress for battle. You are not up a crick without a paddle. In fact, you are equipped and empowered for the battle that is ahead. And so Paul is addressing all the different ways that uh, followers of Jesus are equipped for the spiritual battle ahead of us. And we're to be clothed with, with things as these, truth, righteousness, peace, the gospel, the word of God, salvation, and faith. We are not unprepared. And so in describing the full armor of God, Paul is referring back to the issues that he has hit on multiple times as you read through the entire book of Ephesians. And so a great homework lesson or something that you can do this week to grow in this is to read through Ephesians at least once. Maybe you can even do it once a day to just read and be impacted by all the connections that Paul is making when he's talking about the full armor of God. But in addition to summarizing his own teachings, he's also telling us something about God. Maybe as you hear, put on the full armor of God, you think of it as almost like a brand of clothing, that you're being equipped with God's armor that he made. And, and, and this is true, but it can also make it seem like you might think of the armor of God being put on the air that I'm being supplied with as like if I was wearing uh, just the Jordan brand of clothing, my shirt, my pants, my J's on my shoes, you know, like that might be how we think of this armor of God. But in reality... This is what the context tells us, but there's also a second layer to it. As when you study through the commentaries, you see that this armor that is given to us is something that we are wearing that is God's own armor. We get this from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament that Paul is referencing here. And so listen to these passages in light of what we just read. Isaiah 11:5 says, Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. He's talking about God, our Messiah. Isaiah 52, 7, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Again, Isaiah 59, 17 says, He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And so you see here, putting on the full armor of God, as Paul says, is not just that we're being supplied or that we're being equipped, but it's also that we are becoming more and more like God himself. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, earlier Paul writes, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. As we take just another slow reading through these different armor pieces that God has equipped us with, think about the battle that you're in right now the rapids that you are facing in your life, 
the struggles that we together as a community and a church community are trying to walk through. And remember that the full armor of God that we are clothing ourselves with are making us more and more like Christ even as we're in the battle, even as we might be suffering. The clothing helps us stand firm. So let's jump in. I encourage you to just, even as we read these passages slowly and have a thought about them, just even pray them out and see how you can apply them to your life. Ephesians 6, 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. We get so focused on the victory of our battles. We focus on the end. We always think, when will this be finished? But Paul says here, our focus is not necessarily the victory, but it's to sustain, it's to stand firm in, and it is to come out victorious no matter how long the battle is going to take. When we read this armor of God, it's helping us to sustain and letting Jesus be the offensive. He goes on and says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This is the truth of the gospel expressed through the lives of followers of Jesus. We are secure in the truth that Christ has come for us, followers of Jesus, and unified us together as the church, as the body of believers. This is the truth we profess. He goes on, we are also equipped with the breastplate of righteousness in place. This is a commitment to living like Christ in all that we say and all that we do. And so I just want you to remember what we just read in Ephesians 5. It says, be imitators of Christ. Remember in our past series, Blessed Are You, we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's a hunger and it's a thirst for justice when we see injustice happening in our world. Look around. We need to be able to see where things are not right and how we can work through the power of God's Spirit to make those things right, to bring justice to the oppressed, to bring justice to places and systems of injustice in our society. And when we do this, we advance ahead against our spiritual enemy. Ephesians 6.15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. As we are standing firm in this battle, as we put on these different things, Paul is telling us that our feet should be ready because of the good news that we have of peace. During this COVID-19 season, I've seen, unfortunately, followers of Jesus not have a gospel of peace, but a gospel of anger a gospel of ridicule, a gospel of worry and fear. But Paul calls us to be ready because of the gospel of peace. A gospel of peace is one that proclaims the sacrifice of Christ that points to the spiritual battle behind the flesh and blood enemies that we see with our eyes and the ones that we're tempted to fight. 
And so this brings good news to people that are suffering. When we choose to be in a situation and not fight the flesh and blood that we see, but to fight the spiritual battle that's going on behind and below and around it, we actually announce God's kingdom and we say, you do not have to be stuck in this situation, but I come as an ambassador of peace to show you who Jesus is. He goes on and says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so in battle, it's easy to see the personal attacks coming at you. You've probably been in a situation that you've been walking through where you just feel attacked and just things are shooting at you constantly. And our faith can be the first thing to go in those moments. If we meet continual attack with continual pursuit of Jesus, we will not falter, but rather we will stand firm in our trial. We will hold on to our face. And this truly comes from being with God. And it's not just about being together for an hour on a Sunday morning, whether online or in person, but it's about continual daily and even continually as much as we can hourly and minute by minute to be in the presence of Jesus, to be in communion with him so that our lives come out of who we are with him and not what we're trying to do in our own power. Ephesians 6.17 says, take the helmet of salvation. Earlier in Paul's letter, he reminds us in, in Ephesians that only by God's grace have we been saved. We put this salvation on our head to instill a confidence that we have in Christ, that he has already won the victory through salvation with him. He's the one who conquered death, and we know that he is the victor, even when we're amidst a battle that is happening right now in our lives. Christ wins. Ephesians 6, 17, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so this is really the only offensive piece of armor that we've talked about. We've been equipped for things that are defensive, but the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so if we just think of this as scripture or as the Bible, that is true. But I believe we miss something more that's more full and what is meant here. It's Part of it is what's referenced here is the spoken word of God, the spoken message of Jesus. So anytime that we can proclaim the message of Jesus to those who don't know him, we advance in the battle against evil. We advance with the Spirit's leading. And so this is what we want to grasp and realize. And so after walking through those passages slowly, I hope that you are able to see and think of ways that you can apply those to your life. But here's how Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase of Ephesians in the message says this kind of section of scripture. So just listen closely. He says, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. And so I just have a couple thoughts just to kind of conclude, to summarize what we can take from this armor of God, how we're equipped for the battle that we're in, how we're equipped on the raft for the rapids that are ahead of us. And so the first is this, most of the things that we read here are defensive tools. I, I mentioned that earlier. Again, we are called to stand four different times in that passage of scripture. We're told to stand. We're supposed to stand and our, like stand our ground, to stand firm. And he keeps repeating that. And so if we're prone to attack, 
in anger or fear in our physical lives. Like when, when we see that flesh and blood enemy and we're not able to realize we're actually fighting not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual things. And we tend to attack out loud or attack with our actions. Maybe it's because we haven't settled and resolved ourselves to apply these armor of gods to our spiritual life. We are going to work out of us the things that God is working inside of us. So it's important that we put on this armor of God on our spiritual selves so we can fight the battle on the front where it is actually happening and not lash out in fear towards flesh and blood, not lash out in anger or in physical abuse, but we for fighting a spiritual enemy, as Thad mentioned last week. And so the second thing is this, and this is important. If you think that this is a set of personal armor for your individual life, for your individual attacks, and specifically only for that, then I encourage you to read all of the rest of Ephesians this week. It's super important that you do. And to see what Paul says about the unity of all the believers, of the body of believers. One of the things we have to be aware of is that um, as American Christians, we have been told that individual freedom and liberty is the most important part. It should be our guiding principle in everything that we do. And I'm not against our rights or our personal freedoms, but Jesus calls us to himself and shows us the way of putting others before ourselves. Roman shields, when we're talking about the shields of faith that are going to guard against the fiery arrows, Roman shields would intertwine together as the group of soldiers are there and they would guard almost as an impenetrable shield on the front and above so that when those attacks are coming, those fiery arrows are coming in at the group of soldiers, they can't get through. As well, most of the armor that Paul is describing, again, is front-facing. This being the case, if we're only protecting the front, if we only have our helmets on and we only have a shield that protects the front of us, who has our back? Now, of course, it's Jesus. In every situation, he is the one who's never going to leave us or forsake us. But we also have to be there for one another as fellow followers of Jesus, as those walking in the way of Jesus. We have to be there for one another. When we face those trials and those battles, and even in this current one that we're facing right now. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, be encouraged by this. says, as a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul's Paul speaking, he says, Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so I can understand why non-Christians in this season have gotten upset, have gotten angry, have gotten fearful when their individual liberties are infringed on. But when the community of Jesus followers divide ourselves because we are looking to protect our own personal needs at the cost of those who are weakest in our communities, I just have to take a step back and say, yikes, 
we've missed the mark on this one. So we must not let our American freedom inform our Christian freedom. We must let our freedom in Christ living in the way of Jesus be the filter in which we understand every place that we engage with and interact with. We are citizens of the kingdom of God before we are citizens of anywhere else. We can't go it alone. As we move to meet weekly once again in October, we also have to make a commitment to connect together personally. Our church will only ever be as big as the number of people who are willing to share our lives together, not just on Sundays, but in smaller groups as well. And so this is the focus for us as a, a church staff and as a, a leadership of the church. This is our focus as we head towards the future. Whether we meet in person safely or we meet online digitally, we can't neglect knowing others and we can't neglect being known for the things that are happening in our lives. How can we help people if we don't know the battles that other people are facing? And so Paul concludes this full armor of God passage with one last encouragement to pray. And it's the focus I want to end with today. It's Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And he says this, and this is how he concludes it. Right after saying we have um, the sword of the spirit that is the word of God, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, for that whatever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so our action point today is this, stay alert through prayer. Last week, our, our action point was the same, stay alert. And it, it's funny because Paul concludes this perfectly and he tells us with the full armor of God as you're fighting the battles against the correct enemy, he says, stay alert and be in prayer at all times. All of this spiritual armor must be rooted in prayer. It's, a, it's bad being up a crick without a paddle, but I would say it's worse if you're up a crick, fully equipped, but you're not in tune with the guide and you don't know where you're going. You could be outfitted with the best rafting equipment in the whole world, but if you're not in tune with the guide, you'll end up down a path you weren't supposed to go on and you might end up dead. If we think we have the full armor of God, yet we know we are neglecting prayer or we are not strengthening ourselves in prayer, then we need to get that figured out today. We need to just stop and just say, God, how come I am not speaking to you? How come I am not giving you my life through prayer? Prayer in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Please, please, please don't let this pass you by. We must be in prayer at all times. That's how we put the armor of God to use. It's how we stand firm in all the trials and rapids that we find ourselves. It's the way we advance the gospel. It's the way we move forward with Christ is through prayer. Paul is a great example of someone who is in battle in the rapids, but used the equipment he had to proclaim Jesus. He was an ambassador in chains, yet he was confident that the believers everywhere were praying for him in this season. Today, we must be alert through prayer. And so I want you today to just think about your response. 
Will you start with a prayer to just choose to follow Jesus today? Will you start with a prayer that just says, God, fit me with this armor that I may stand firm in the trials and the rapids I am facing? God, start in prayer, or maybe we need to start in prayer and just say, God, I've neglected speaking with you, and I need to make this a focus of my life, that I would meet, match the armor of God with being in prayer, and that I will move forward with him in all that I do, all that I say, and all that I am. So as we pray today, think about those responses. Think about the battles, the trials, the struggles, the rapids that you're in. And think about how God has equipped you for it so you can stand firm, but also so that others will see and know who Christ is through the life that you are living. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence to open up your word, to be encouraged by your scripture. God, I pray, Lord, that each of us would open up Ephesians, not just for this armor of God section, not just for um, knowing the battles that we're fighting are not against flesh and blood, but God, I pray that we would take the whole passage and let it kind of speak to us. Let it guide our hopes and our dreams and our desires, God. Let it be a guidance for how we serve others in our community, in our church, in our country, and in our world. I pray for anyone today who's never chosen to follow you and ask that they would make that decision to say, God, I choose to follow you. I choose to change the direction of my life. I choose to turn from my sin and I choose to repent of those things and follow you in this season. God, I pray for those who are in the battles, that are in the rapids. I pray that they would know that they are equipped for this season, that they would be in tune with you as a guide through prayer, that we would not neglect bringing up prayers for all believers and that we would just hope and just hold your truth and your righteousness, your love and all that we do and say. God, be with our church as we begin this fall transition, as we work to meet um, meet again weekly and indoors. I pray that you would keep us safe. You would help us to be wise in every decision we make. God, I pray for our outdoor services. They would be times of just coming together, being known and letting others know who we are. God, I just ask that you would guide and shape our hearts as a community and that you would help us to follow you in everything we do. We ask all of this in your mighty name today. Amen.